new life. Good morning. Go ahead and stand. We're going to worship. First, we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, so much for today. Thank you for this house filled with your people that have come to get close to you and worship you and hear your word. Thanks for all these beautiful children that are at your altar this morning, God. We are so blessed. We're so thankful. Jesus, be with us this morning. Open our hearts, open our minds so that we receive everything that you have for us today. Jesus, we love you so much. And all God's people said, amen. the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side, forever lifted high. Let all creation cry, God, we praise you. Oh, 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 oh. we praise what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what this is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. We'll see you. 
Christ is my firm foundation. He's the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. Oh, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. Cause he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going under Cause I'm not held by my own strength Cause I've built my life on Jesus And he's never let me down He's faithful in every season Oh, so why would he fail now? He won't, yeah. he won't, he won't fail, he won't fail, he won't, oh, he won't, he won't, he won't fail. He's the rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaken Oh, I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus 
going to call you out or anything, but how many people have felt shook before? Yeah, well, I have, and God did not fail. 
and he won't fail you. So, um, real quick, let's pray for our tithes and offerings, and we'll get back to worship. Lord, thank you for giving us a firm foundation, for giving us your son who has taught us all about sacrificial generosity. Please bless these tithes and offerings as that same sacrificial generosity that we try in just a small way to resemble our King, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I have some joyous news here, here. We uh, have a bunch of baptisms after service. So, um, please, after service, oh, you'll get instructions on that. I don't want to get in the way. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. When my life lay down, surrender now, I give you free. Amen. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. 
give Jesus a hand. Amen. Y'all may be seated and let's go ahead and dismiss the kids at this time. I was going to sing a hymn and I changed my mind. I was told to have a good singing voice by somebody who can't hear the other day. This has nothing to do with anything. This is, this is free with admission. Titus chapter 3 says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Remember then? Disobedient. Deceived. Serving diverse lusts and pleasures. Living in malice and envy. Hating and hating one another. That was us. That was then. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. According to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And that... Being justified by his grace, we are made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Last week, a few people came to know Christ as their Savior. And I want to remind everyone, it wasn't because they were perfect, it's because they needed Jesus. Jesus is the hero of this story. 
It's not in a sermon. It's not in a service. It's in Jesus Christ that we are saved. And we want to make sure that in everything that we do, that Jesus Christ is the hero. He's the one that provided the way for them to be saved. He's the one that provided the way for sins to be forgiven. He's the one that provided the way to him. Amen? I hope Jesus is your hero. When people talk about things in Christianity, they don't need to talk about the church. They don't need to talk about the pastor. They don't need to talk about themselves. It needs to be about Jesus because Jesus is the hero of every man's story. That is what he gave me last night. So I don't know if that's what I should throw out my sermon and do something else, but I'm going to keep my sermon anyway because I like it. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31 and I got to put my glasses on because I can't see a thing. God created the earth and he made this statement. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. When God created the earth, he created it as very good. He created it perfect. He created it beautiful. He created it just for us. He created a life for us that would be the best life possible the most unimaginable life. Just, just imagine not knowing evil. Like that's, he, he created us with nothing but good. Now there was a tree, he said, don't eat of that. That's the knowledge of good and evil. You don't need to know evil, don't do that. We could just imagine life not knowing evil. How good that would be. But then man had to sin. And don't blame Adam and Eve for their sin because if it would have been you, um, you would have done the same thing. Your wife would have been talking to Satan and you wouldn't have been paying attention. She would have made an apple pie and you would have ate that thing as fast as you could and then blamed your wife for why you're in the condition you're in. My wife started baking bread lately. Bread's supposed to be good for me. I'm getting fat now because bread. it's my wife's fault. You ever walk into the house and smell that fresh bread? Oh, yeah. You're not getting that smell in the building today. You all fall asleep, and I don't want that to happen. We're in a series called The End is Here. And I believe that in, when you get to this point in history in the earth, I'm going to put my phone down. Don't call me. I'm working. When we get to this point in history of the world, the book of Revelation is honestly the most helpful book you'll read in, the, in your Bible. But it's difficult to read. And I think it's difficult to read because we make it difficult. And I've talked to several young men as of late, and they've talked about reading the Bibles, and I try to teach them how to read their Bibles. And reading your Bible is simple. God will tell you what he means about things. You just have to read it and look for the things where he says, this is what it's about. So turn to Revelation chapter one and verse 19, and we're going to, I'm going to pray and then we're going to, we're going to do something. I don't know what we're going to do. But we're going to do something. In fact, I'm going to get down on my knees because I just believe that God is holy and I am not. Pray with me. Father, I can honestly say this was probably the best week I've had in a long time. So don't let my flesh and my peace and my happiness get in the way of your word. Don't let 
just the goodness of my life become more important than the truth of your word. Father, I believe what you have for us today is important, probably the most important message these people have ever heard in their life. Outside of what they heard last week, this is life-changing. Holy Spirit, please have your way with us. Right now, we're going to just release all control over our hearts. We're going to trust you to challenge us, to convict us, and if we trust in you, to change us. That our Father in heaven might be glorified. Help me, please. Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19 says this. Jesus is speaking. He's talking to John. And Jesus says to John, Write therefore the things you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. Now, as I read this, I see three different things that Jesus tells John to do. And it's important to read your Bibles in this way because that way you understand why the Bible is laid out the way it is. And so he's, Jesus tells John, write the things that he had personally seen, things you have seen, things you have seen. What do we know about what John saw? John walked with Jesus for three years. John saw Jesus crucified. John saw Jesus buried. John saw Jesus resurrected. John saw Jesus uh, ascend into heaven. John saw some stuff. So Jesus says, John, I want you to write what you've seen. That's the gospel of John. The gospel of John is the, is the stories of what John saw when he was walking with Jesus. So John says, okay, I'll write, I'll write the book of John. Now someone's going to say, was that written before Revelation or after Revelation? I don't know. Not really important. What's important is that he wrote it. He says, write the things that are. Write the things that are going on right now. Now, John was on the Isle of Patmos. He had just been boiled in oil, and it didn't kill him, so they stuck him on the Isle of Patmos to finish out his days in, in exile. But John had known some things that were going on in the world at that time. If you read Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, it talks about the church age and what goes on during the church age. And so there's some things that were going on in John's day that he was able to write about the churches of that time, the Christians, how they were living their lives, how they were following Jesus, what kind of churches they were. So he wrote the book of John because Jesus said, write what you've seen. He wrote the first two chapters, chapter, um, sorry, the second and third chapter to talk about the church age. And I talked about this last week. We're in the church age right now. Right now. We're in the age of grace. We're at the easiest time to get saved, be saved, and live saved. This is the easiest time. Like if you're not, if Jesus isn't your savior, make him your savior today and we're going to solve a lot of problems in your life in just a twinkling of an eye. In just a moment. So he writes about the church age, this age of grace. And you can look through those seven churches and you can see churches at different stages of history. You can also see churches in Astoria, Oregon that are just like the churches in the seven, book, seven churches of Revelation. Some are really good, some are really messed up. I, I'm not going to tell you where I think we are 
Because we're not where we should be. Amen? And then he says, write the things that are going to take place. Now that's Revelation chapter 4, verse 22. So Jesus is bringing John to a place where he's going to see what's going to happen in the future. I think we need to know in this day and age, in this time, what's going to happen in the future. So today we're going to begin with the third division of John's revelation, which is what's coming. Revelation 4.19 speaks of God's judgment upon the earth, and it proceeds with the second half of Jesus' second coming. Let me read that one more time, because this, there's a lot of teaching in here, and I want to get to the preaching. Revelation 4 through 19 speaks of God's judgment upon the earth and that precedes the second half of Jesus' coming. Remember that the second coming in Christ has two parts. What are they? There's two parts to Christ coming back. What are they? What's the first one? Rapture. What's the second one? Return. So there's two parts to his second coming. It's the rapture and the return. And this is important because Jesus wants us to know about the rapture. Paul wrote to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed. Some versions say ignorant. We want you to know, brothers, about those who are asleep that, they may, that you may not grieve as others do that have no hope. And then he goes on to talk about the rapture. He wants you to know the rapture is going to happen. The rapture is nothing more than God's confirm, the confirmation of Jesus' promise to come back. John chapter 14 verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe, you believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house. Oh, no, I got to read it now. I got to try to. My King James is getting mixed up with my ESV. It's really messing me up. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Now, my King James says mansions. I'll take the mansion over a room any day. But if a room is, is, is all you get when you go to heaven, I'll take a room. Because it's better than the alternative. It's called a fireplace. If it were not so, I would have told you, Jesus says, that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you where I am. That where, where I am. My King James is getting mixed up again. And take you to, where, take you to my cell. Um, I got to read this. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus said, I'm going to leave this place, but I'm going to come back. And when I come back, you're going to, the dead are going to rise. We talked about that last week. And then those who are alive and remain will, will go up into the air to meet the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen? That's the rapture. That's, that's Jesus' promise that I'll come back. He's coming back to take us off of this place. Amen? This is a fulfillment of God's prophecy that Jesus would return personally. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Not good enough. Jesus, if you guys want to stay, go ahead and give, give the golf clap. But Jesus is coming back. That's better. See, with this promise comes the truth that we don't know when it's going to happen. Mark chapter 13, verse 32 says, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. 
So the only one who knows when it's going to happen, when the rapture is going to happen, is God himself. And one day he's going to say to Jesus, go get your children. And he's going to come down and he's going to, and, and the dead are going to rise. And then we're going to go and we're going to be gone in the twinkling of an eye. We're out of this place. Amen. It's, I'm not sure what to do with you guys. But we can know when these things are getting close. We talked about that a little bit. Luke 21, 28 says, Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your head because your redemption is drawing near. When Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins, he bought me with his blood. And so there's going to come a day where he's going to come back and he's going to redeem that which he bought with his blood and bring him to be with him. That's the rapture. I get to go. Many of you do too. I lost my place. So we know it's going to draw near. And Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Not to neglect the meeting together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, all so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we can kind of know when things are happening that we need to be prepared that the rapture is going to, going to be soon. But there's no signs that we can know of that they're going to, the, the first half of the second coming will happen. We can only see the signs of the second coming. The second half of that, the return of Christ. See, the rapture, what's important about the rapture is the rapture is the doctrine that determines your destiny. The rapture is the doctrine that determines your destiny. You can find out whether or not you're going to be with the Lord or whether you're going to stay here. And if your choice is to stay here, that is your choice. But we're going to talk about what it's going to be like for you who want to stay here. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, But God shows his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall, much more shall, much more shall, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So if you want to go through the wrath of God, just stay. I want to be saved from the wrath of God. That's what the gospel really is. It's not that we're just forgiven of our sins. It's that we're saved from the wrath to come. It's good news that I know that because of what Jesus Christ did, not only are my sins are forgiven, but I don't have to experience the wrath of God. Amen? The good news is not just that you're saved from sin, but you're saved from the wrath being saved from sin. I don't have to experience the wrath of God. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Luke chapter 12 and verse 5 says, but I warn you who to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I'll tell you, fear him. Satan has no power to cast you into hell. That's God's place. Oh, I don't want to believe in God like that. He's a just God. He's a righteous God. He's given you in the age of grace an opportunity to trust Christ as your Savior so your sins can be paid for through Jesus Christ. What more does he have to do? Again, I say it again. The second coming has two parts. Rapture and return. I heard it broke down this way, and so I just want to read this to you. If you, if you want to take notes, take notes. Otherwise, go back through and listen to this again. This just gives you just a, a simple overview of what the second coming of Christ looks like. Rapture return, right? 
So the rapture of Christ is his coming in the air. He's not touching foot on the earth. The first time he came, he came to, to save us from our sins, to, to be the sacrifice for our sins. The next time he comes, he's going to come in the air to redeem his bride. In the return of Christ, so that's the rapture. In the return of Christ, he's coming to the earth. So he's going to come and he's going to rapture us off. And then he's going to come back and touch the earth. That's the second coming of Christ. Zechariah 14.4 says, And on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and on the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, and one half of the mountain shall be moving, moving northward and the other half southward. Jesus is actually going to touch foot on the earth again. Rapture, return. Are you with me? The rapture of Christ is his coming. The rapture of Christ. The rapture of Christ is his coming for his bride, the church. The return of Christ, he's coming with his bride, the church. Scripture says, when we meet him in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So no matter where Jesus Christ is, we will be with him. So when he goes, we go. When he comes, we come. Wherever he is, we will be. Come on, tell me that's not cool. Like, he's not just going to save me and then let me settle down in, in heaven. He's going like, to take me on adventures. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 3.13. So that you may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and our Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Every Christian who has ever trusted Christ as their Savior will come back with him. We are going to have a party. We're going to come back to this earth. Be with Jesus. Rule and reign. It's going to be cool. What you do on earth now will dictate what you do on, on, on earth then. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. The rapture, there will be no signs. The return, there will be many signs. And we'll talk about those signs over the next few weeks. The rapture involves the church. The return involves all men. The rapture is the day, bef is, is the day before the day of wrath. The return concludes the day of wrath. So the rapture opens up the time when the, when the day of wrath is going to start. The return, it's going to end. The rapture, only believers will see him. Like, non-believers will not see him come. We, they'll just notice, where's Pat? I mean, I'm going to be really upset if Pat's gone and I'm still here. But that's, gonna, that's what it's going to be like. All of a sudden, Pat's gone. And we're going to be like, where did Pat go? Well, he's probably out fishing. <laughs> Pat's learning how to fish for men. So that's what he's going to be doing. The rapture, only believers will see him. The return, everyone will see him. Revelation 1.7 says, behold, he comes in the clouds. And every eye will see him. So there's going to come a point in time when everyone on the earth and everyone who's in heaven will see Jesus Christ come back to the earth for the second time. The rapture begins tribulation on the earth. The return of Christ begins the millennial kingdom on the earth. We'll, we'll get into more of that in, in, a, in a bit. As I said last week, the next thing that's going to happen is the first stage of the second coming which is those who are alive and remain as Jesus comes, we're going to be caught up together in there. The, the dead are going to rise and then we're going to follow them and we're going to be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Rapture is going to happen next.
Again, this is nothing more than the confirmation of the promise. That those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior will be raptured from this earth, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that is awesome. But the problem with the rapture, or the promise of Jesus of the rapture, creates a problem. That's what we're going to talk about today. The problem created by the rapture. Because once the rapture occurs, all Christians will be removed from the earth in a twinkling of an eye. And the problem here is we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he is living inside of us and he is guiding us and guarding us and leading us and teaching us and keeping us from doing things that we used to do that now we can't do anymore because the Spirit of God's inside of us saying, stop! You're like, okay, okay, you don't have to yell. But we don't listen very well sometimes, amen? He yells at me all the time, so maybe it's just me that he yells at. So the world will be in chaos because that which restrains men from sin, the Holy Spirit will not be on the inside of us. He'll be outside again. He'll be, we'll be with Jesus. So don't worry about you. Worry about that moment when the rapture happens and all the Christians are gone. Just think about this. Just, I thought about this. Imagine for a moment removing all Christians from your family. Take all the Christians away from your family. What's Thanksgiving going to be like? No Christians there. Nobody who forgives. No, no love, no joy, no peace, no long-suffering, no gentleness, no goodness, no faith, no meekness, no temperance. Out of control family gathering. You say, well, that's what it's like now. Your family needs more Jesus. <laughs> Amen? They say don't talk about Jesus at family gatherings. I think you need to be talking about Jesus in family gatherings. Right. Well, it just causes a fight. Yeah. At least it's a good fight. Because you're going to have a fight without him. Imagine for a moment removing all Christians from the school. In a moment, every Christian teacher is gone. Every Christian school board member is gone. Every Christian student is gone. Now, some of you would say that's kind of what it's like now. And I understand why parents are pulling kids out of school. I, I have no, no problem with that, so don't think I'm saying something I'm not. I'm just saying, what do you think happens when all Christians are removed from school systems? You say, well, we're already going liberal. Take away the Christians that's holding it back, and what do you think's going to happen? Imagine for a moment removing all Christians from your workplace. Like, you have no Christians to work with. Just, just, for, just imagine what work would be like if you had a boss who didn't have compassion towards you, didn't care if you needed a day off, didn't care for you. employees that were taking advantage of each other. You say, well, that's kind of what it's like now. Yeah, that's why you need more Christians where you work. That's why you need to be the gospel witness because you might be the only thing that's restraining that company from going under because you're the only Christian who says, I believe that God's going to take care of this. That's not the worst problem. 
Because people will be saved after the rapture occurs. But imagine, imagine, rapture happens, you don't go. You come to church the next Sunday and go, uh oh. <laughs> and you trust Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit will be inside of you, but it'll just be you against the world. For a season, it will just be you against the world. It is hard enough to be a Christian surrounded by a bunch of Christians who love Christ. Let alone make it just you being the only Christian. Like some of you may have that home. Maybe that's you're the only Christian in the home. And it's hard, is it not? It's hard to be faithful. It's hard to be loving. It's hard to be compassionate. Sometimes you just want the wrath of God to come down and destroy your spouse. You're laughing because you know it's true. It's hard to be a Christian in, in that circumstance. Imagine being the only one. And worse than that, according to what we're going to read today, they're going to have to live through one of the most horrific times in history. And yet we live in the age of grace where God is giving us this great opportunity to trust Christ as our Savior and have our sins forgiven. And when he comes back, us go with him. We don't have to stay here. Well, I kind of like the earth. You won't like it pretty soon. At the end of the sermon, you're going to hate everything that I'm saying is going to happen on this earth. And, and, and I'm just telling you, I'm just starting with the first part of what's going to happen. I'm not getting into the great tribulation. I'm just getting into the tribulation. So it's exciting to think about those of us who know Christ will go to be with him forever. But imagine the earth devoid of Christian witness. Just imagine there is no Christian witness on the earth. Or it's so small. So tiny. And you're the only one left. The very spirit that restrains men from sin will be removed or seemingly like a moment. He'll still be here, but he won't have the power because we'll be gone that he has now. He'll leave men to do what is right in their own eyes. And just imagine if men did what was right in their own eyes. What do you think would happen in your family if men just did what was best for them? What about your school if men just did what was best for them? In your workplace, if men just did what was best for them. In the grocery store. I read an article the other day. I, I, actually, it wasn't, I didn't read an article. I he heard a story. In Oakland, California, in the middle of the day, people are going to lunch. They're having a lunch in downtown Oakland, California. And there are people who come in with weapons, go to a table, point at their gun at the table and say, give me your money, give me your jewelry, give me your wallet. In the middle of the day, they're robbing people. In the middle of the day, in a restaurant. That's like going to the pig and pancake and just wanting to have waffles. And somebody comes in and says, give me all your money. And they're walking out with all your stuff. That's what's happening in this world right now. And, and this is before the rapture happens. We're not even in the tribulation period yet. And it's scary to go anywhere anymore, is it not? The world is not getting better no matter what some liberals say. It's getting worse. 
Because men are starting to do what is right in their own eyes. They're deciding what they want to decide and how they want to live and do things their own way. They don't want to follow the Bible anymore. Am I wrong? Because I feel like I lost you. So Revelation chapter 4 through 19 discuss the problems of those left behind. And we need to know that. So Revelation, let me just break it down so you know how to read your Bible. Revelation chapter 4 gives us John's insight into heaven and what it looks like. So you get kind of an insight of what heaven looks like where we, we couldn't see it before. And John says this in Revelation 4.1. After this, Revelation 2 and 3 is talking about the church age. So after this means after the church age. After this moment of grace, after this time. So that's talking about the rapture. The rapture has happened after this. Once the rapture has happened, this is what things are going to look like. Behold, I saw a door open in heaven and the first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So again, this is the church age of Revelation 2 and 3. It's the third part of the revelation, meaning that God still has things to show him, things to come. And he says, after this, means the rapture's happened. This is what's going to happen after the rapture. There'll be an open door in heaven, so Jesus will still be the door. There'll still be opportunity for people to be saved. Amen? But it's not going to be easy for you. And he hears a voice like a trumpet. First, First Corinthians 15, 52 says, In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... For the trumpet will sound and the dead and dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. He's talking about the rapture. The trumpet's going to blow. We're going to go. First Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command and the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall go to forever be with the Lord. After this. He's talking about what happens after the rapture. So when you read your Bible, Revelation chapter 4 is post-rapture. So you can know what's going to happen. And then we go to Revelation chapter 5 and John sees a scroll. This scroll has seven seals. And what you do is you open one seal and you open the page up and it tells you what's going to happen. And then once that is fulfilled, then you open the next seal and it shows you what's going to happen. And then you open the next seal and it shows you what's going to happen and it goes all the way to seven. So he sees this scroll. But for a moment, there is this concern that there was nobody worthy to open the scroll. Because the only one who could open it, the only one who could kick this thing off was the one who has the right to do so. And he's freaking out and he begins to weep because he wants this to end. He wants this to be over. He wants heaven to, to be the end, end result. And there's an elder in heaven that tells John, don't weep, the line of the tribe of Judah. I lost my note. The root of David can open it, and that's Jesus. So the rest of Revelation chapter 5 is this celebration about Jesus. Celebration about Jesus. It's just worship of Jesus. Jesus is worthy to open the scroll. Jesus is worthy to start this 
judgment. So once this judgment starts, we can get to the end of the judgment. We can be in the millennial kingdom. A thousand years later, after Satan's cast in a pit of fire or, or into a pit, he'll be taken out. He'll cause rebellion to happen. Jesus will just say a couple of words. It's going to end his, end his reign, end the reign of Satan. Satan's going to be cast into the lake of fire, and all those who followed him there will go with him. We'll get into that in the future. That's like the end of Revelation. But there's a ceremony worshiping Jesus. The rapture removes the church from the earth and the Holy Spirit that was within them for a moment is gone. That which restrains men from sin will be removed for a momentary bit. Men will do what is right in their own eyes. And beginning in Revelation chapter 6, John sees Jesus open the first of seven seals. And John's invited to see what the future is going to be. And what he sees is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. This is scary stuff, guys. Remember what I said? God created the earth perfect without sin and said, this is very good. Be fruitful and multiply. Live your life to the fullest. You don't need to know evil. Man says, I don't care what you say, God. I'm going to live any way that I want to live. God being a just God says, I can't let you do that because I'm God. So there will be judgment upon you. And you'll feel the wrath of God, not the love of God. If Christ is your Savior, you'll feel the love of God. If Christ isn't your Savior, you'll feel the wrath of God. Don't be mad at God for being just and holy and true to his word. Revelation 6.2 says, John says, I looked and behold a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given him and he, was, he came out conquering and to conquer. And there's a lot of symbolism there that talks about the Antichrist and that's who we're talking about as the Antichrist but I'm not going to go into great detail with that <clears throat> because I think sometimes we can focus on something that for most of us, isn't important except to know that this is what people who don't know Christ are going to experience or those who come to know Christ after the rapture has happened will experience. The Antichrist will come. Let me just explain what the Antichrist is because he gets... That's what makes me mad about the Bible. People make it more difficult than it really is. God gave it to us to understand it. Amen? Amen? The Antichrist is man's ultimate human. That's the easiest way I can describe it. The Antichrist is man's ultimate human. And as you search the scriptures to find out what he's going to be like, there's, four th- there's a lot more that I could talk about, but because of time, I'm going to talk about just four. He'll be the world's greatest inspiration. The scripture says in Revelation 13, 5, And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and was allowed to exercise authority for 40 and two months. That's three and a half years of tribulation. First part of tribulation. When this guy speaks, people will be moved. In a world of great chaos, he's going to become a great comforter. You know, aren't you drawn to people like that? When things go crazy in your life, you're drawn to the guy or the person that can just encourage you with words. It's going to be okay. Okay. He's going to be the world's greatest problem solver. 
Daniel chapter 8 verse 23 speaks of the latter end of their kingdom when transgressors have reached their limit. The king, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles shall arise. And it's talking about the Antichrist. Imagine the problems created by the, by the rapture when, when all the Christians on the earth are gone. Airplanes falling out of the sky. Suddenly you're an employer and suddenly half your employees are gone. Well, maybe not half. Most of your employees hopefully are gone. There'll be so much chaos going on that we'll, need, we'll have problems that he can solve. And this Antichrist is the one who's going to solve all the problems. Whatever problems come up from the rapture, he's going to solve. He's the world's greatest economist. Revelation 13, 16, and 17 says, and it causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand of the forehead so no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast and the number of its name. He's going to know how to handle all the financial problems that occur. Just imagine if you're a wife and your husband's the only bread, bread uh, winner and he's the Christian in the family and the rapture happens and he's gone. You're going to need to figure out how to support yourself. And that's going to happen all over the world. He'll be the world's greatest general. And they worshiped the dragon for he had given authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who can fight against it? So I thought about this. Let me, let me just, give me your imaginations for a minute. Imagine for a moment a president. A president of the United States. Just imagine for a moment a president who is the greatest orator and he inspires you. When he speaks, you just feel comforted. He's the most intelligent man in every room. Like when there's a problem that goes on in America, he can solve it. He's just the wisest man ever. He starts to get followers and people follow him and they believe in his ways. So whatever he says, they do. He makes us all rich. I used to love Ronald Reagan because I got a job because Ronald Reagan's policies um, caused WANA to expand their operations and they needed more employees. So I got hired in 1984, actually April 24th, 1984, at the WANA paper mill to make toilet paper for you. Because <laughs> I love you. Just remember, I touched it first. Ronald Reagan made me rich. I loved Ronald Reagan because of that. And it is said that most people will vote for the president who will make them rich. Not who has certain moral... So who makes you rich? Imagine a, a, a president who can defeat any enemy on the earth. Like there is no enemy that will ever touch us because they're afraid of the Antichrist. Would you not vote for that guy? You say, well, no, I wouldn't vote for that guy unless he had my... Yeah, yeah, liar. <laughs> if he spoke well and he was the most intelligent guy in the room and you started following, people started following him, believing in his ways, and he made you rich, could defeat any enemy, you'd be like, I'd vote for him in a minute. In 1930s, in Germany, there's a man by the name of Adolf Hitler who led his nation to horrible atrocities, but he was a great orator who inspired. He was thought to be the most intelligent man in every room. 
He caused many to start following and believing his ways. He made his country financially better off than they were prior. And they believed he could defeat any enemy on the earth. See, I've learned this about history in the Bible. There are always little things that happen that give us an insight of what's bigger things are going to happen. So you say, well, that, I, would, I would never follow a guy like that. No, listen, if it happened with Adolf Hitler, and Germans weren't all stupid people. In fact, they're very stubborn people. So he must have been good at his job to get them to follow him. See, once the rapture happens, the initial chaos will occur in the world and the Antichrist will step in and he will create a seven-year treaty with the nation of Israel. We'll talk about that more in detail, but he's going to make this deal with Israel because the world will be full of chaos. And in that moment when all the Christians are gone, it creates this problem where we need somebody who's going to lead us through this problem and he'll do that. Now, someone's going to say, who's the Antichrist? I don't know. I don't plan on being here when he's revealed. If you want to stay and find out, just renounce Christ and I'm gone. He's the perfect man. And once the rapture removes all of God's representatives, there's no holding that man back from doing what he believes is right in, in his own eyes and people will follow him. Using diplomacy and the promise of peace, he will establish a one world government to the world will say, we will follow you wherever you go. Say, that can't happen. It already happens. Happens all over the world, all the time. Just not on a worldwide scale. But you remove the Christians and you make the Holy Spirit work on the outside, not on the inside, with multiple people. It's going to be easy for him to take power. See, the problems created after the first stage of the second coming of Christ, there will be a second seal opened. The first, the Antichrist will come. The second, Revelation 3, 6, 3, and 4 says, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come, and out came a horse, bright red, and its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that the people would, should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. Without restraint holding men back from sin, men will just kill each other without thinking about it. We think it's bad now. I mean, when I was in school, we, we prepared for the atomic bomb. Kids are training for active shooters. Once you remove Christians from the earth, it's going to be worse than you've ever imagined. People will kill each other over the stupidest things. And I think people kill each other over the stupidest things now. You want my wallet? Take my wallet. Don't shoot me. Because I'll guarantee you there's no money in it. <laughs> and if you max out my credit cards, good luck. Dumb, that was a joke. The, the seal is known as war and red defines the blood that's going to be shed and there will be no peace on earth. So this is what's going to happen post-rapture. We're going to be gone people who are still here can come to know Christ as their Savior afterwards, but you're going to have to go through this time where the Antichrist takes power and people will just start killing each other. 
The third seal is famine. When they opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse and its rider and a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be the voice in the midst of four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and then three quarts for barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So just a couple things for you real quick. This black horse uh, is, is talking about famine, and it's when food will be hard to come by. Most Americans have never experienced real hunger. Amen? Because we, we always have government cheese. But one day there will be no government cheese. So imagine working all day to buy one meal for your family. And you can't take the next day off because you've got to work that day to buy enough food for your family the next day. And we're not talking about three meals a day. We're talking about to be able to buy one meal a day. That's what they are saying this time is going to be like. You will work all day not to pay your rent, not to pay your power bill, not to pay your mortgage, but to buy enough food, you're going to work all day for one meal. And so multiple streams of income are going to be needed to obtain supper. Now, someone's going to say, well, that's crazy. That happens today. How many husbands and wives are working to, to, to buy food, put food on the table? How many of you have multiple streams of income? Like you don't just have, you, you just don't work at WANA anymore and make enough money to support your family. You got to have your wife work too. And then you got your kids working and then you got some kind of internet scheme that you're trying to figure out how to make money on. And you got like 14, multi, you got 14 streams of income because you can't rely on one anymore. And that's happening now. Wait till you have to work all day to get food for one meal. You're going to try to figure out multiple ways of trying to bring money into your family and still not be able to make enough. But in the famine, the wealthy represented by oil and wine will not have to struggle. Doesn't that make you mad when the wealthy makes so much money that they don't even pay taxes and they don't, have, they don't, they don't, they don't ever worry about paying the power bill? They don't worry about how am I going to put food on the table? You guys out in Napa, you just go shoot animals next to your house. <laughs> and wrap a piece of paper on it saying it's a tag, but it's just a piece of paper. <laughs> right? You, you, guys, you guys will do that for a while, but after a while there won't be any animals left. Because everyone's trying to figure out how to support their family. The fourth seal is open and it's death represented by a pale horse. We're going to be done in just a minute, I promise. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the, fourth, the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked and behold a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over, they, and they were, and they were, and they were given, they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. This is saying one quarter of the earth is going to die. It is estimated that there are about one billion Christians on the earth at this point in time. One of the greatest Christians I ever knew died last week. She's my sister-in-law, Evelyn. She was a pastor's wife. She's the godliest woman I've ever known. She met Jesus, and she's excited about life now. She had been in pain for multiple years. Good Christian woman. She won't have to experience this. Don't ask me why I got Oh, one quarter of the earth will die. She, she, she's already gone. We'll be raptured, one billion. 
So that leaves, and an 8 billion people on the planet, that leaves 7 billion people on the planet, leaving approximately 1.8 billion people going to die in three and a half years. COVID was 0.006% of the world's population dying. We're talking 25% dying in three and a half years all over the world. But you know what scares me? It doesn't scare me that people die. What scares me is the shadow of that last horse. That which follows that last horse, death is hell. Meaning that there's going to be so many people dying and going to hell that it's unimaginable to us. Because they've refused to accept Christ as their Savior during the, during the um, church age to the age of grace. And they're going to go and they're going to be separated from God for eternity in a place called hell. And so when they die, they're going to hell. Well, I don't like that. I don't either. That's why I do what I do for a living. Trying to keep you people from hell. Trying to keep you and teach you you can trust Christ to be your savior. That what he did on the cross paying for your sins is enough. To save you from the wrath to come. I'm getting tired of fighting it but I have to fight it because you don't want to be here when that happens without the church to preach the gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit to restrain men from from living any way they want hell's going to just fill up one quarter almost two billion people in three and a half years according to the scripture say how do you know that to be true because God said it was going to happen that's what's going to come And can I tell you what scares me even more than this? Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7 and 8 says, For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes and pestilence in various places. That's not just the ESV. That's the King James. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Those first four seals are just the beginning of the pain that's going to be caused on this earth by the wrath of God. The promises of those who are in Christ will arise at the rapture and meet the Lord in the air. But without restraint, it will release the Antichrist who will introduce the world to war, famine, and death as it has never seen. And this is just the beginning. My premise for this series is if Christians were aware of what was to come, it would change the way they live every moment of their lives. First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we shall know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We become more like Jesus, not less like Jesus. But you know what's happening in this day and age? Because you're not afraid of what's going to happen. You're not trying to live differently. It's almost like I got mine. I got my salvation. When the rapture happens, I'm going to go. Do you know the early believers became more faithful, not less, because they feared the future wrath of God? 
not for themselves. They didn't fear for themselves because they knew Christ was their savior, but they feared for those who would come after. You know who they feared for? You. They didn't fear for themselves. They knew Christ is their savior. They feared for you. The ones who would come after. The rapture will release the revelation. The revelation will reveal our need for God's son. And if you are aware of what's to come, are you willing to leave others behind? If you know that Jesus Christ is your savior and you just live any way you want now and you don't worry about what other people, people who don't know Christ are going to have to go through, what kind of a Christian are you? I know you came to church to get a rah-rah, but I just, I couldn't give you a rah-rah. Because I'm concerned about the future. I look at what's happening with Israel and I look at what's happening in the world and I look at what's happening in America. I look at what's happening in Astoria. And I say to myself, this is exactly what God said was going to happen in the end time. You say, they've been talking about that for years. I know. I don't know when it's going to happen, but if it happens tomorrow and I leave you behind, that's going to bother me. So let me speak to the Christian first. Are you willing to leave anybody behind? Well, they can get saved after the rapture. Yeah, and then go through the tribulation period. Do you hate people so much that you would be afraid to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, the good news that Jesus paid for their sins. And because of their sin being paid for, they're saved from the wrath to come. Or are you just going to get yours? Shouldn't it change the way you spend your money? Shouldn't it change the way you spend your time? Shouldn't it change the way you spend your energy? Well, I've got to help make this world better. You're not going to make this world better. It's just going to get worse. You can make it better for an individual if they trust Christ as their Savior. It ought to be the gospel that you're sharing. And now I want to talk to those of you that don't know Christ. You can receive Christ. And you're going to remember this moment, by the way. You can receive Christ as your Savior after the rapture happens. But it won't be an age of grace. It won't be an age of grace. It will be an age of difficulty, of tribulation. And I haven't even got to the great tribulation. I'm just talking about the first three and a half years. The great tribulation is the last three and a half years. That's going to take me two sermons to get through. And actually, next week, we're going to take a break. We're just going to give some thanksgiving to God. We're not going to, I, I, this is, for, for me, it's too heavy. It scares me. So next week, we're just going to gather together. When you bring your kids in, if they're not in the nursery, they're going to be in the auditorium. So just bring your kids with you. We'll find out how disciplined they are. <laughs> they're kids sitting in church. I was raised by a great dad, and I still couldn't sit in church and had to get the evil eye given to me. But look at where I am now. Now I just get up and yell at people. That's what you want to do with your kids. Bring them in. We're going to celebrate. We're going to worship. We're going to give some thanks. We're going to give some testimonies. I got a simple lesson that was given to me by a six-year-old girl 
that encouraged my heart beyond belief. Pastor Andy. And then she wrote the lesson on the back. That's all I'm doing next week. She prays for me. She loves me. She's convicted me of my sin. She's six years old. We need more six-year-olds like that. That's next Sunday. Then we're going to get back into it. So those of you that are scared to death, come back to Sunday after next week too. We're going to talk about the last three and a half years. But for those of you that don't know Christ, let me just ask you this. If Jesus were to come in the air to receive his bride, the church, are you absolutely certain that you're willing to stay? Say, well, I don't believe that's going to happen. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't care. This is what God gave John. John wrote it down. John told us what was going to come. This is going to happen. Nothing you do will stop it from happening. God made a commitment and a promise. It's going to happen. Can you without a doubt say that if you died today, you know for sure that because of what Jesus did for your sins by surrendering your life to him, that if your life were to end in, on this earth in the next 10 minutes, you would spend eternity with Jesus? Or are you going to have to figure that out after we're gone? And if after we're gone, you want to figure it out, you can still be born again. You'll still have to trust Christ as your Savior. The Holy Spirit will still have to come inside of you and cleanse you and wash you, regenerate you. But then you're going to have to, if you live, you're going to have to go through seven years of the worst time in the history of the earth, the wrath of God. Why would you do that? Why would you suffer when you don't have to? That's why we're in the age of grace. This is the easiest time to trust Christ as your Savior. This is the easiest moment to call upon him and ask him to save you and start living for him today. Let's stand. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. If you've prayed this prayer before, you don't need to pray it again. But if you haven't prayed this prayer to confess your sin and to call upon Jesus to be your Savior, today is the day. Today is the day. Make sure you don't... Because, listen, Jesus could come back in 10 minutes. And then the baptism is going to be like canceled. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Or you can just get saved and jump in the water after that, but you're still going to have to go through the seven years of tribulation. Why? Well, God loves you. I, God loves you. You say, well, I don't think God loves because of what he's doing. God's being just. He's being righteous. He's being holy. It's what you want from God, that he never changes his word, that he offers you salvation and you don't even have to do the work for it. You just need to trust what he did for you by trusting Jesus Christ as your savior. And then just surrender your life because you haven't done very good with your life anyway. You might as well trust him with it. He'll do a better job with it. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. It is not the prayer. 
from my vantage point. It's from you calling upon God, talking to him. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'll pray out loud. You can hear. You pray between God and you and he'll hear you and he'll forgive you of your sin. Do you believe that? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I admit it. And I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. This very moment, I open my heart to your son, Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my sin. The sin I believe you died for. I believe you shed your blood for me to be forgiven from my sins. And I take you this moment as my Lord and my Savior. I am trusting in nothing and no one but you, Jesus, for the forgiveness of my sin. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer and forgiving me of my sin and bringing me into your forever family. Help me live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that for the first time and you're honest about it, you just asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you trusted him to be your savior. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody looking around but me. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it today, at this moment, would you raise your hand for me? Amen, amen, amen. You believe it. If you believe it, here's what I want you to do. Whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. You shouldn't be embarrassed. This is a great place to share the fact that you just trusted Christ as your Savior. So if you just called upon him to save you from your sins, I want you to come to the front of this altar right now. Come, 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 come on, come on. Y'all just raise your hand, come on. If you've done this before, you don't need to be here. You've already trusted Christ as your Savior. Did you trust Christ as your Savior? Did you call upon Him? Did you trust in Christ as your Savior? Did you call upon Him? Did you trust in Christ as your Savior? Did you trust in Christ? Did you trust in Christ? Trust in Christ. Did you trust in Christ? 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 So when you called upon Him and you asked Him to save you, He saved you from your sins. Right? So if Jesus were to return right now, if he were to come back, would you stay or would you go? You would go. And will forever be with the Lord. Your next step is to take the step of baptism. It just lets the world know that I've been buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in the newness of his life. Once you take those steps of faith, you're already saved. You're already born again. But once you take those steps of faith, 
You want to start living for him because there's going to be other people that don't know Jesus as their Savior that are going to have to go through this horrible period of time. So don't be like all the other Christians that I've known throughout time who get saved and don't share the gospel. Share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people around you. Even if they don't want to hear it, just share it. Tell them what Jesus did for you. What did Jesus do for you? He paid for your sins, right? Paid for your sins, paid for your sins. Paid for... I want to make sure that everyone understands that he paid for your sins. And all you got to do is live for him. Let's, let me pray for you. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, these who have trusted you as their Savior today have been forgiven of their sins and now do not have to face the wrath of God. Let their testimony be clear that they trusted in Jesus Christ to pay for their sins and they accepted Christ as their Savior. And this wasn't just a prayer that they prayed. This was an honest cry to you, Father. Accepting what Jesus Christ did as payment for their sins, satisfying a righteous God so the wrath of God does not have to pour out on them. Father, encourage them to take their next step, not to be afraid, but to take that step of baptism. Don't be filled with pride because whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. Father, with the heart they believed in righteousness and with the mouth let confession be made unto salvation. Give them a confidence and a courage to share the gospel with those who don't need it or know it because everybody needs it. Encourage our hearts, Father, at this time. Be with these people. We love you so in Jesus we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Let's go ahead and sing. Is God good?
Romans chapter 10. Verses 10 says, For the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Those of you that just called upon the Lord, did you just make confession that Jesus Christ is your Savior? For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him should not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord is rich unto all who call upon him. It doesn't matter what your background is or where you're from or what you've done. What matters is you trusted what Jesus did for you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not hear? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That was my job. How shall they preach except to be sent? And saying, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. And bring glad tidings of good things. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you did not have to suffer the wrath of God. You have been saved from the wrath to come. Jesus Christ saved you from the wrath to come. You give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. He is the hero in this moment. He is the one that saved you. And your testimony needs to be that Christ is your Savior. If you can't say that, one day your knee's going to bow and tongue's going to confess whether you like it or not, Jesus Christ is Lord. But I don't want you to wait till then. Let's do it now. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, there is great fear in our world today, and I believe it's your, you moving in their hearts to let them know that what you've promised is about to come to pass. And Father, people are trusting you as their Savior today because they need to know that their sins are forgiven and that they don't have to suffer the wrath of God. And you're giving them that knowledge today. But Father, let them not be afraid to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Let their testimony be that because Jesus Christ is their Savior, that Jesus Christ can be their Savior. We are in the age of grace. This is the best time for us to share the gospel because we won't, people who trust Christ won't have to go through the wrath of God. Let us be a living testimony of that salvation. Encourage our hearts. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. One last thing. Baptisms are happening out at the boat, dock, boat ramp at the uh, yacht club. If you don't know where that is, find Joey out in the foyer. He will point you there. It's across the street. Don't go right. Go left. Down the hill. Around the corner. Go straight through. Don't go to the Riverine Apartments. Go around the corner. You'll find us all standing down there. If it's raining, that's okay. We're all going to get baptized together at the same time. But come celebrate people sharing their faith. Come celebrate people giving a testimony that they've been buried in the likeness of his death and now they're raised to walk in the newness of life because of what Jesus Christ did for them. Join us. Father, we love you. Encourage our hearts. We just look, the service is going to continue on. We got more to do in this town. Encourage us. Help us to provide teaching that helps them grow in Christ. We love you so. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, thanks for coming today.